Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. You're running a business and you need to get the returns that a business deserves. Otherwise, get out of the business. This is Property Investory where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Tyrone Shum and in this episode, we're back with renovation expert and project manager Tam Thorogood who also finds time to be a property investor. She will reveal how she has successfully built up her portfolio with sheer determination and hard work not only to earn income for herself but to help family and friends down the long haul. Thorogood delves into the details about her different kinds of strategies that have ultimately influenced her property journey. When I did have the aha moment of negative cash in my pocket as opposed to having positive cash in my in my pocket, I really I was highly motivated to change that. Um, with, with mindset of investing in property, a lot of the time, well, for me, I thought I knew what I was doing it for, but I really didn't have any meet around what that meant. I was just trying to accumulate property. So when I went through the Rich Dad training course and really got into the numbers, I broke down how much money I needed to replace my income and then how much money I thought I needed to live a comfortable life from assets in, in property. So I worked really hard to Changed my portfolio around, like I said, with the vendor finance units, um, buying my partner's commercial property, and then purchasing another three commercial assets after that, all that I was very confident of running the numbers, knowing that they would put more money in my pocket from day one than I had before I bought them. How long did that process take you to get to where you are now? That's probably been the last six years and, and to help me on along the way, I learned by doing um, as opposed to kind of reading, it doesn't work as well for me. So I decided to become a commercial real estate agent so I could get in on the inside. So I thought if I'm going to invest in commercial property, I need to know how it works. And and the best thing for me to do was to go and become a commercial real estate agent. So while I was accumulating over the past six years, I did that for three years. As commercial real estate agents are harder to come by, Thorogood tells us what she learned within the role. No one likes you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not a good sign. It's a thing. Yeah. Um, look, it, it's a it's a tough gig, but I, I had a my mindset going in was that you know for the purpose of learning everything I possibly could about commercial real estate, I wanted to understand what was a good deal and what wasn't a good deal um, from an agent's point of view, from vendors selling. I wanted to observe the owners out there who were leasing properties because as you know in commercial you do 
you know, you can do both, which is selling and leasing. So I wanted to see what a good landlord looked like and what landlords who struggled to get tenants looked like. I wanted to understand what made a good asset, what made it desirable for people to want to buy or to want to rent. So, yeah, over those three years, I just really became a student of the commercial market and understanding terminology, yields, what the market wants, what people are prepared to buy. So that was really the main purpose that I did that. Along the way, did you also make a bit of money through commercial real estate? I did, not a lot. <laughs> I made enough to feed myself and 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 not um, you know, and not struggle too much. But yeah, I made it I I think I made about $50,000 gross um, along the way so each year. So, yeah, it was enough to, to get me by for sure. Thorogood explains where she was located as a commercial real estate agent. Yeah, I was on the sunny coast. Um, I had thought this is what I wanted to do. So, a year prior, I went and knocked on um, Collier's, Savile's, CBRE door and I said, you know, I want to be an agent and and they said, that's great. We'll call you if, we'll call you if we've got a spot. So, that didn't happen. So I went and sort of got a, a job at the local a local brand just to kind of cut my teeth on. Um, and then once I'd done 12 months with them, I went back and knocked on, on the door and Savills on the Sunshine Coast gave me a job. After working in a large company as a commercial real estate agent, Thorogood gives us an insight on what it's like. Brisbane office did do a lot of very, very large transactions and I guess we got to see sort of the ins and outs of those uh, happen on the Sunshine Coast. There's there were few and far between of very large transactions, but there was enough certainly to give to give me the exposure I needed and and have a look at how that all works. Um, you know, corporate brand, how they market, all that sort of thing. So it was definitely eye opening. The one mistake I made was because they were a corporate company. I thought it might be similar to the corporate environment at Telstra, which it wasn't. I forgot I was an agent and every man's for himself. So I did I did miss the camaraderie. Yeah, it's, it's really dog eat dog. Even when you work in the same office, you would know having been an agent, it's a, it's a tough, tough gig. Thargo thinks about what she took away from the company and how she applied it to her own portfolio. Yeah, definitely understanding what it means to be a good landlord. So maintaining buildings, putting a little bit of capital back into buildings that you know become tired connecting with your tenants on a regular basis they're in business just like you are so just doing a set and forget or or you know this terminology of passive income it's it's certainly not passive you certainly have to be engaged and treat it like a business so those landlords who kept engaged with their tenants worked with them heard them you know, when there are tough times, sometimes rather than losing a tenant, the best thing to do is to help them out. Um, because if you have a vacancy in commercial, as you know, it can be, you know, two years if if you're in the wrong spot. So, yeah, that's I learnt that, that lesson and I've adopted that and it's working very well for me. So, when did you purchase your first commercial property to now the fourth commercial property. So when was that start time frame? Yeah, that would have been in about um, 2014. Yeah, 2013 or 14. Yeah. 
And then uh, you, you've purchased a total of four or you have a total of four commercial properties. When was the last one that you purchased? Uh, the last one was about 18 months ago. Yeah, so I sort of bought uh, three in quick succession and then as I learned from um, my mistakes and from being an agent, um, I feel like I've chosen the next property I chose was a little bit better. Um, yeah, so and I'll look to purchase, a, oh, I'm looking to purchase a, a, a second one sort of right now. She dives into the details about the type of commercial properties she has purchased, starting off with her first purchase. Yeah, the first one was my partner's clinic, so a physio clinic, which is deemed to be medical. Um, so that sort of made me start looking at the types of tenants that I would like or I thought worked best from a long-term perspective. And definitely medical is is one. The reasons being is um, you generally get a higher rate per square metre. I'm talking a little bit sort of technical now, but but with uh, medical fit-outs, there's normally extra things like extra hand basins and extra uh, parking. So you can get a higher rent for that. Also, the type of tenant being medical generally have a better financial track record of being and remaining in business. And we are an aging population. So for me, medical was sort of a no-brainer. So yeah, medical and professional typically are the, the two types of tenants and the types of buildings that I like to purchase. This made sense for Thoroughgood as it helps with longevity of a commercial property. If you haven't provided the fit out for the tenant and they have as well, generally they're they're very heavily invested, you get a longer lease which again, if you have a nice long lease and you go to the bank and you're lending, um, it's it's far easier to get your finance for that. What kind of value did you did the purchase that first one for? Because people's misconceptions of commercial is that it costs a lot of money. Yeah, that was... Uh, 285,000. What kind of return did you get on that? Like what kind of percentage return? 8.3 net. Obviously with something like that too, um, going to the bank um, because it's a business type of loan or commercial loan, you'd have to put a lot more money up front, right, as a deposit. Yeah, generally speaking, it's 35%. You, you can um, get less but it's all relative and what I mean by relative is that your interest rate goes up the more your LVR is. So if you want to put down 20% deposit, that might be, for argument's sake, a 6% interest rate. But if you do 35%, it'll be a 4% interest rate. So the more money you can put up, the better. And also the more money you put up, the more choice of lender and terms that you have. Can we talk a little bit more about the other type of um, properties? Have they been similar to this one or have they been different for the commercial side? They have been similar. Um, so I've got a professional professional office which has a solicitor in it was the next one that we bought. Um, the the one after that was another health type uh, or allied health being a exercise physiologist. And then the one after that, because I was working in real estate, I actually bought a vacant building in commercial when buildings aren't tenanted they they can be worth a lot less because uh, there's no one in them so i saw the opportunity of buying something vacant knowing i was in the industry finding a tenant putting a tenant in and building in some instant equity
Thorngood discusses more about the empty property that she purchased and where it's at now. Yeah, it did stay empty for 12 months. I did have to do some work to it. Um, and then we've got a tenant who took um, a lease for the whole building. It's quite a large building. It's standalone, 330 square metres in the centre of town near a train station. Um, and that tenant failed after three months, which was, yeah, a bit of a, a disappointment. So what we did was re-advertise and try and find someone who did what's called an assignment of lease. So basically take their lease over. We were lucky enough to do that for them because they were in financial distress. And now I have a retailer in there who's been there for nearly 12, oh, just under 12 months and going really well. How much less did you purchase it off the market? It was advertised for 580000 originally and I quite liked the building so I just watched it for a little while because I thought no one, no one will buy that. Mm. Um, and then it dropped down to 520000 and um, I thought, okay, all right, it's getting a little bit better and then I went to the agent and I said, I'll give you 440000 and they said, no way. And I said, okay, no problem. <laughs> um, and then two months later, they called me and they said, we'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> As usual, time, time passes, yes. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I, now that I have a tenant in it, to, I guess to give you the difference in what I purchased it for and what it would be worth now, um, it would be about 150000 difference in in equity that or instant equity from now that I have a tenant in there. Even having it vacant for 12 months, that inc had an increased value of 150000 So, it's definitely worthwhile as, you, as you've said. But if it was vacant now, it'd still only be worth what I bought it for. So, it's the tenant that the tenant that makes, you know, adds the value to the property. It's just the way commercial works, yeah. Did you have any issues funding that particular property? Uh, no, I knew I had to buy that with cash and I only could afford to buy one property with cash. That was all the money I had, but I knew it would be worth it. So actually right now I'm looking at going to the bank to get that refinanced. It's not quite as easy as residential. Um, they do they do have stricter terms when it's already a purchased building as opposed to purchasing a building. So once I go through that process, I can let you know how it goes. Coming up after the break, we hear about the kind of mindset Tan Thorogood has adopted to have the best strategy when building up her portfolio. I decided I wanted to invest also for certainty. So for me, because I didn't enjoy reading a lot, um, researching what future capital growth might be was quite arduous for me. So when I decided to switch to commercial, I knew Exactly. It was worth what I paid for. The kind of influential mentors that have inspired her along her property investment journey. Steve McKnight, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, that's probably from a property investing point of view the, the two main ones that really influence. And that's next. I'm Tyrone Shum and you're listening to Property Investory. Due to Thorogood's multifaceted portfolio, she has adopted multiple strategies and ways of thinking. I think 
think um, because I've done a, a few strategies over a, a long period of time, set out what it is you want to do and be very clear about it. Break it right down. That was probably an, uh, an early error that I, that I made that I wished I had have done um, and really understand why you're doing it. Choosing not to go down the residential path, Thargo explains her reasoning for doing this. I decided I wanted to invest also for certainty. So for me, because I didn't enjoy reading a lot, um, researching what future capital growth might be was quite arduous for me. So when I decided to switch to, to commercial, I knew exactly it was worth what I paid for I was either getting income or I wasn't, I either had a tenant or I didn't, irrespective, I don't buy anything for capital growth at all. If I get capital growth, that's great, but I purely invest for cash flow. So from a residential point of view, I'm sure there are some out there that are, that are. I've just stopped looking for them because it's easier for me and I know the commercial market now. So that's the easy way to go and, and I'll stick with that. Not only has Thargo dipped her feet in commercial and residential, she also was inspired to get into development. So the commercial property that I'm holding has development potential. So from a long-term perspective in seven, eight years sort of looking ahead, when I get to that point of, of knowing that my properties could be developed, what I wanted to, to achieve and what I'm wanting to achieve now is I may not necessarily personally develop them myself, but I want to have an idea of how it works. I want to understand the right questions to ask a project manager or a developer or understand how the finance works around development so I can best prepare myself when I get there. Hopefully by then, I should know what I'm talking about. That's very, very smart, especially gaining that hands-on experience from already existing developments and, and getting that access to those things makes a huge, huge difference, doesn't it? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm on a huge, huge learning curve, so it's, it's awesome. I really, really do enjoy it. I don't think I'm a developer as such. You've got to have a lot of gumption to be a developer and really play a long-term game and it does, you know, it costs a lot of money to do those sorts of things. But the rewards are there but yeah, I certainly want to understand the process and, and I do enjoy the process of, of learning about it. You are actually living off this passive income at this point in time and that's funding your life or are you still building this up to where you wanted to meet those goals you set back at Rich That Training? Uh, no, I certainly met those goals that um, that we set at Rich Dad Training. So yes, yeah, so theoretically, I could support myself through the properties that I have now. Um, it's just... I want to be busy. I want to still, you know, I find it enjoyable to still, um, you know, purchase property and look at deals and and look at this development stuff. It's interesting. It's it's quite boring if you just stop everything at home. It's, yeah, it's certainly something I can't see myself doing. With a strong passion for property, we take a look at Thorogood's reasoning behind her why. My why really is so that when, if and when there ever comes a need that I need to help my family, perhaps look after my parents, is probably one main thing is that I can afford to do that and that I'll have the time to do that. So that was my driving motivation was yeah really to to make sure I have choices in life that I can best support my own family and friends to a certain extent as well. You know I love so I've got a close knit group of friends who when they need help I can help them out, you know, with time mainly without having to worry about, you know, where my income's coming from. 
Throughout Thorogood's property journey, there have been some resources and mentors that have inspired her. Initially, I was heavily into Steve Knight and his programs that were sort of on the residential and flipping and that side of things. Um, when I did shift to, to go into commercial, it was quite difficult to find a mentor. And um, I ended up finding one that was in a swimming group that I was in who I would ask to meet for a, a cup of tea once a month and just try and pick his brain um, on commercial. But still, it wasn't enough, which is why I needed to be a commercial agent. But um, yeah, so Steve McKnight, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, that's probably from a property investing point of view that the two, the two main ones that really influenced, yeah. I know Steve's got his own book that he's written, same thing as, as Robert Kiyosaki as well. Do you have any other books that you could potentially recommend? I would. Uh, I'm an audio book kind of girl. Ah, good. Um, okay. Yeah, audiobook's yeah. great. Yeah, I would recommend um, Ego is the Enemy by Ryan Halliday. Oh, okay. That's the first I've heard that one before. That's great. Okay. I know yeah, Ryan Halliday. Really good book for me to get out of my own way, uh, I guess is the, the best way to put it. And also just understand, you know, doing things for yourself, it's it's your own path and you're not doing it to impress anyone else for any other reason, you know, than, than what you originally thought you were going to do it for. So, yeah, it's a it was a really good book for me. As she takes a look back on her journey, she shares with us the best advice she has received. You've got time. I'm always in a rush. I guess that's what happens with uh, serial entrepreneurs and, and successful, you know, business owners and so forth. They're always on the go, never stops. Definitely. Yeah, look, less is more. So, yeah, I've got time and, and less is more. I felt that I had to be busy to be achieving and we all know that's totally not the case. How have you been able to sort of reduce what you have but also achieve more? I adopted um, meditation about four years ago. So that's um, for me been, been a pivotal little act that I do three times a week. That's all I could sort of get it down to. I tried every day, didn't work. So, but I've, now I've nailed it. I'm three times a week solid. So I'd say that's, yeah, that's what's really helped me. If Thorogood had some time to reflect on her past self 10 years ago, we find out what she would have said to herself. You're on the right track. Keep going. What period of time would they have uncertainty? Yeah, within the last 10 years, I, you know, I've been quite, well, the last eight years, very, very solid. Um, so, it was probably pre that that I'd have a bit of different advice for myself. So, but in the last 10 years, yeah, definitely I'm on the right track. Keep going. It's okay to switch strategies i'm in the same i'm in the same um, space i'm still in property she talks about the future painting the picture of what is happening for her in the upcoming five years acquiring a few more commercial properties is definitely on on the cards very excited about that um, i'm very excited about private equity lending in the construction space so um, delving into becoming a private equity lender um, and then, yeah, development after that, maybe. It sounds very, very exciting. Is there going to be a point where you go, okay, I've reached enough commercial properties in my portfolio or you're just going to continue to add those on? I think I'll continue to add those on. They'll just be of a different type potentially. And last question I usually ask all my guests on the show is how much of your success is due to your skill, intelligence and hard work? And how much of it is because of luck? For me, it's all hard. Yeah, it's all hard work. I've really had to grind it out and and stick with it for sure. Yeah, it's 
there's not much luck for me, unfortunately. <laughs> I think that's the thing. You create your own luck and it sounds like that's what you've done successfully. Yeah, definitely. It's not it, For anyone who thinks it's passive income out there, you know, I've changed that word a long time ago. It's definitely not passive. You, you're running a business and you need to get the returns that a business deserves. Otherwise, get out of the business. Thank you to Tam Thargood, our guest on this episode of Property Investory. If you want to hear more about her journey, then visit our website at propertyinvestory.com.